welcome to Multiversal Q, your guide to the comic book multiverse. Now in podcast form. I'm Luke. And I'm Devin. And this time we're talking about... Exiles. So we are specifically covering Exiles number 62 through 65, written by Tony Bedard and Mizuki Sakakabara, who also did the main pencils with JC on colors and Dave Sharp on letters. What happened last time in the Exiles, Devin? holocaust shows up we went back to the age of apocalypse during our seemingly never-ending story of age of apocalypse yep and at the end of that arc they ended up teleporting into a strange pink crystal building and we are going to find out what happened luke who are the exiles currently blink is a leader and she comes from a dystopia saber tooth's her dad and he suffers from myopia namora is blue and she swims in the water holocaust is evil and his power makes him hotter and also there's morph giving humor a try and lastly there's mimic just fuck that guy exiles very good it's not as good as the next wave song but it's pretty good it's pretty good it's adaptable for uh other purposes so the Exiles ended up in a crystal palace with pink crystals that look similar to the Imkron crystal, and supposedly this is where the Time Broker came from, and they start talking about how they originally came to meet him. So first they're just palling around in the desert. Was well, that an interesting time? Well, that was the original Exiles. Nomura was seemingly brought to this building before she joined the team, and... Weapon X had ended up in a massive ocean where when they realized that they couldn't kill the Time Broker, they uh, listened to him. And then Holocaust, as we saw last time, he was just immediately brought into the Age of Apocalypse. Yep. And as the team starts to explore, they see screens from other universes, like Six-Armed Spider-Man's universe. Remember that time we covered him, Luke? That was a really good one. It was a good one. Uh, there's also the desert where the Exiles had originally landed. And then they see a massive crystal wall filled with the corpses of everyone who had died on the teams before. Those previous members, not all who are seen, are Magnus, Thunderbird, Sunfire, Magic, Sasquatch, Beak, and then the Weapon X members, Mesmero, Wolverine, Maverick, Daredevil. Those four didn't actually appear in the comics. I was going to say. Yeah, and then uh, Jen Walters, Hulk, Storm, Spider, Vision, Iron Man, Gambit, Archangel, Colossus, Miss Marvel, Hulk, Firestar, and that's everyone, right, Devin? As far as I know. I wish we would have known what happened to Maverick, because I just love the buzzsaw Captain America shield that is just stuck in his stomach. We get a bit more, but uh, that's not until the next arc. Oh, okay. And the team is debating what to do, because it's like, oh, well, some of these people died, died, but like, Beak and uh, Sasquatch, Heather Hudson, didn't really die, they just disappeared off the team and were replaced that's the same thing as dying right it's just like it's like what's his name with uh ozzy in um from what's it called the great baseball episode of the simpsons where he just uh disappears out the face of the earth (laughs) as they're debating what to do a tiny beetle looking guy shows up and the team immediately attacks him and he like tries to explain that he's this worker cast insect and he has no idea who the time broker is because if you remember, he's a mental construct made out of all the team. But he ends up being helpful and brings him to his leader, who is behind a locked door. And instead of waiting for him to open up the door, 
Link just teleports them in, and they find a bunch of stickbug-looking insects who are the actual leader. They're referred to as the Sovereign class. Because who's the actual leader, Devin? King Hyperion. Who was previously on Weapon X, and who the team previously believed that they had killed, but he was explicitly missing from the crystals. Holocaust immediately attacks, and Hyperion explains that he was the one who put Holocaust on the team to try and mess with him, which didn't work. And then he just cracks open Holocaust's head and snorts him like he's drugs. He's a milkshake, Luke. He drank his milkshake. Oh, I thought you were going to make a brings all the boys to the yard. Oh, no. Please, I'm too classy for that. We're going for some There Will Be Blood. So Blink teleports the team away from Hyperion when Sabretooth tries to give her guff, and she reassumes her leadership as Hyperion starts crashing through the Crystal Castle after giving the Sovereign-class insects strict instructions to not interfere with him. But as soon as he leaves, the worker-cast guy ends up getting an order to unlock the secret weapon. The team then teleports into the desert, where Blink and Hyperion get into a standoff, and Hyperion knows her tricks, and uh, he's like, you know what? I know I'm going to kill all of you guys soon enough, so I might as well explain my evil plan. Which, you know, that's that's classic supervillain stuff. It totally is. Also, they should have all known it anyway. Yeah. So the insects won't leave dead exiles and Weapon X members where they died. And so they end up bringing him back into the crystal cells. But when Hyperion had died and was brutally, like, exploded apart, uh, he when he was brought back into the crystal cell, was able to heal and regenerate, even though he somehow did not regrow his hair that had been burnt off. And also, he had that mysterious patch of fabric that always covered up his crotch that was not destroyed in the explosion. And basically everything just starts flubbering together. And his costume either slowly heals or magically disappears as his body reforms. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, so eventually he got back to full health, and he burst out of the cell and discovered what happened. Uh, He goes on to talk about how he uh, had tried to take over the Earth on his planet, but they really didn't like him doing that, so they ended up doing a scorched Earth policy, and he was the only person left alive, and now because he's stuck in the uh, Panopticron, He's planning on taking over all of the other universes. Meanwhile, the worker cast bug wakes up the secret weapon, which is Beak. What? Yeah. So Hyperion explains how the bugs have ended up somehow at the base, which they switch between calling it the Panopticron and the Crystal Castle. What should we refer to it as? Crystal Castle. I like Panopticron. But Crystal Castles is easier to say. It's also banned, which means we can try to maybe get in some Crystal Castle band fans to listen to the podcast on accident. You just don't know how to market, Luke. All them hipsters, oh yeah, they'll be all over this. No, because they would be the first ones to listen to the podcast. Yeah, I guess. So they wouldn't like it. Yeah. So Hyperion explains how the bugs had mysteriously ended up on the Crystal Castle, and they wanted to map other worlds. Crystal Palace, not Crystal Castle. Uh, Somehow on the Crystal Palace, and they wanted to map other worlds, 
and somehow they broke something with the universe itself, and they decided to put together the Exiles and Weapon X to fix it, lying about how the multiverse is naturally decaying, which is why the Celestials had called them the Time Breakers in the episode where we covered Ego the Living Planet trying to turn Earth sentient, and that Danish. I feel like they broke the computer just by like accidentally like dropping one of the computer monitors one day, because that's what it looks like. It's possible. They just are crazy. I mean, you way, way, way down the line, like the Jeff Parker run, you get a bit more of an explanation. But it's all you need for now. I like to think that somehow, just by observing the universe, they changed the fundamental laws. And this was what ended up causing the... uh, What was the thing with the uh, two Earths running into each other? Oh, the um, conversions. Or incursions, rather. Yeah, yeah. Convergence was when it happened in the DC universe. Yeah, incursions. Mm-hmm. So Hyperion offers one last chance for the Exiles to join him, and Amora steps up to accept, but it turned out that it was actually Morph, who was brutally lasered, and he is presumably killed, giving the real Amora time to charge at Hyperion. Meanwhile, Beak is given the rundown, gets the summary, and he is told how the first thing that Hyperion did when he was in control was he threw two worlds at each other, destroying them. So Basically I mean, incursion the hell out of them. What if he was the person who did start the incursion that was Jonathan Hickman's super secret secret? Way, way back. Totally. Mm-hmm. Oh, it would have only been like... I don't know, at the same time, that's also like real... It could be, just because with the Marvel Universe, magically everything seems to be the nexus of all realities. Well, this is the most nexus nexus, though, and I mean, you're able to control it so that way you can make two worlds crash into one another. Oh, yeah, for sure. Maybe this is what the uh, Beyonders got a hold of. Mm-hmm. Well, I've... Well, once again... Because as we see one, at the end... We see at the end. Well, Beak's just like, yeah, fuck this, I ain't staying here. <laughs> Then the Beyonders are like, oh, what's this? <laughs> Watch some back uh, videotapes. Oh, man, we can just, like, make Earths crash into each other for fun? Hell yeah. Bunch of big old Earths. Send them into Earths. I mean, why wouldn't they want to do it? I mean, all they're basically doing is being like, yeah, let's... I don't know, mm-hmm. they're probably taking bets, like, on which one survives and which one doesn't. Yeah. Anyways, Hyperion had wanted to dick over the Exiles, so he tried to get them stuck into the magic world, which failed. He allowed Tanarak to try and take over control of the team, which failed. He tried to get them to kill one another, which failed. He sent them into the Age of Apocalypse, which also failed. And, yeah, really Hyperion is trying, but that explains why they went to all of those weird worlds. Uh, Blink tries to redirect his eye blast at him, but he ends up moving Namora into the blast instead before turning himself into a living sandstorm. Blink teleports Namora out as Mimic charges, trying to do a one-man fastball special, which knocks out both of them for the time being. Beak, meanwhile, learns that he was chosen because probability says he is the best way to stop the disaster, and probability is also why the Time Breakers had chosen 
Hyperion to join the team because they saw he would be very effective. Beak realizes the main way that he's helped in the past has been bringing in friends, and now he has access to a multiverse of friends. A multiversal friend, Q. Which he keeps saying that he is good at making friends. I question that. He's really good at like looking really sad and pathetic, and people are being like, fine, let's give baby what he wants. Good enough for him. Do you know what? Fair enough. <laughs> so Blink runs back in to try and save Mimic as Hyperion gets up, only for Sabretooth to start his battle with Hyperion. And Hyperion reveals that the only reason Sabretooth joined the team was that he wanted to mess with Blink, which worked out pretty well, honestly. Because, oh, it did. Like, yeah, he points out that Sabretooth is a lot more willing to run into situations without thinking, and Blink was willing to acquiesce her power for a good deal of time. So Hyperion just leaves Sabretooth behind to hunt down Blink, and he shows that he's now able to move through her teleportation attacks. Nomura jumps out of the ocean and, like, snaps Hyperion's head and dragging him deep into the water. But he's, like, pretty immediately able to fix his neck, and then he just fries her, heating up all the water, and then stepping out of the steam where Beak is waiting with his two new friends. Two more Hyperions! One of them is Hyperion with green goggles, and the other is the Hyperion from this Squadron Supreme series that we covered a few months back. So, the fight starts, Beak does a quick recap, and the Hyperions are now destroying the Crystal Palace. Blink goes to help Nomura, only for the Hyperions to knock all of them into the water, and we see that Nomura is dead dead. And pretty much the like greatest thing, oh, it's like um, a nice little send-up to Jaws. Mm-hmm. When that dude's swimming around and finds a dead body, then freaks out and drops down his harpoon. So the stick bugs chide Beak for causing all the destruction with his solution, and they talk about how probability doesn't mean they know everything that's going to happen. Mimic ends up helping the battle as the remaining exiles try and figure out what to do, as the Crystal Palace is also nearing critical mass from all the destruction, and Blink has an idea leading everyone back into the desert where Sabretooth is trying to help Morph, who is slowly congealing back into his normal form, but he's not responsive. Blink ends up teleporting a giant mound of sand into Hyperion's body, yeah, which is great. a pretty baller move. It reminded me of when uh, Nightcrawler from Age of Apocalypse teleported the shark into the blob. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other Hyperions are allowed to just beat the heck out of him. Mimic uses the Time Broker's communication system to reach out, telling them to bring Hyperion to the teleporter instead of killing him. And they send Hyperion back to his deserted world. The other two Hyperions don't want to leave the bugs or blink in charge of the crystal palace but they trust beak enough so they are willing to leave but because the time brokers lied about the uh, exiles having their timelines endangered once the hyperians leave beak is just like yeah i want to get home to my wife's hot ass and that's where we end for this week pretty much mm-hmm now, King Hyperion, as he is referred to, he did end up somehow escaping to the 616 through unknown methods. And so he showed up in 
two different stories. The first was the Age of Heroes, uh, issue number three. Uh, the story is called Don't Believe the Hype, which was written by Kevin Graveau with pencils by M.C. Wyman, inks by Victor Olazaba, colors by Jean Rauch, and letters by Dave Lanfear. And the Age of Heroes was sort of the, like, tie-in series for the Heroic Age. And it just set up a lot of other miniseries. Hyperion shows up in Uzbekistan where he's fighting the Winter Guard, who are sort of the Russian Avengers. Hyperion makes up some bullshit about having fought Blue Marvels before, which does not make sense unless, like, between escaping his universe, he fought a bunch of Blue Marvels. Uh, he's beating the heck out of Blue Marvel, but when he ends up threatening a kid, Blue Marvel gets his, like, focus back and then beats his ass which gets Blue Marvel to go back to superheroing, which eventually leads him to joining the Mighty Avengers. And then the Ultimates. Mm-hmm. The second story, which is much better, takes place... But were there Frankensteins and or werewolves in the Age of Heroes story, Luke? No. That's disappointing, because as we all know, that's all Kevin Grivio does. Uh, Ursa Major shows up. That's close. Yeah. Because you've seen the Underworld series slash I, Frankenstein. No. Underworld is good. I, Frankenstein is bad. The third story we're covering is Thunderbolts Volume 2, number 151 through 153, written by Jeff Parker, with art by Kev Walker, colors by Frank Martin, and letters by Albert Deschensey. And at the end of issue 51, which is a really good origin story for Ghost, uh, Luke Cage, who was running the team at the time for the government, introduces them to their new team member, Hyperion, who's claiming to be a good Hyperion because, you know, there's a bunch of Hyperions who show up. And at this time, the Thunderbolts are a government-sponsored field team that Luke Cage is leading, consisting of criminals who are trying to get their sentences shorted, just like the Suicide Squad. The other members of the team are Ghost, who is a intangible hacker, Moonstone, who is a psychologist with power-blasting powers. Uh, Crossbones, who you might know from Captain America 2 and 3, who he's not important in this story because he had just turned inhuman. Uh, the Juggernaut, who is the Juggernaut. Songbird, who is a reformed criminal who makes sound constructs. Mach 5, who has a machine suit. And the Fixer, who is a tech guy. And there's also Man-Thing, who we'll get to in a second. They are given a mission to stop one of the Intelligentsia, who were the Hulk's team of enemies who were all super smart, uh, who left behind a bunch of plans in case they were defeated, and this plan is going to release giant monsters on Japan. Hyperion, trying to be helpful, says he doesn't trust the Man-Thing and offers to fly them out to Japan, but Man-Thing, who is a swamp monster, is also connected to the Nexus of Realities, as we've seen a few times before. He teleports out everyone except for Fixer, as four giant creatures approach. One is a giant stone thing, also referred to as a turtle monster, even though it doesn't look like a turtle. There's a flying monster, a lobster monster, and a finny aquatic monster. Hyperion tells the others to help the civilian, since he wants to try and handle everything by himself. He freezes the water and goes to attack the stone one. When that's temporarily successful, he attacks the flyer, only to end up getting hit with laser beams. And... Then he's taken out by the Finny One. Uh, because Hyperion had frozen ocean water, which is got a high salt content, 
the ice wall wasn't really effective. And Moonstone and the other members try and uh, fight. Uh, Mach, uh, Mach 5 takes Luke Cage to fight the giant stone one again. And Songbird ends up making a sonic construct path so that Juggernaut can charge at the lobster monster. Which effectively takes it out because he just like runs through that thing. The Aquatic Ones and the Flyers keep fighting Moonstone, even though she had tried to make them fight one another, and Mach 5 ends up getting caught in the mouth of the Turtle Monster along with Luke Cage, and Hyperion ends up just pushing them into its mouth. The Aquatic Monster makes it to shore, so Juggernaut has to face it down only to get, like, knocked back, along with Moonstone, who's knocked into the water, but when Songbird goes to save her, Hyperion also knocks her out, because this Hyperion is actually King Hyperion, and then he attacks the Man-Thing, cutting it in half with his laser vision. Hyperion ends up stealing a comlink off of Songbird as the Juggernaut resurfaces and sees the Man-Thing's charred corpse, where Hyperion gives the status of the other members knowing that Juggernaut will try and save them because they're on a team. Inside, the stone monster Luke and Mach 5 are trying to open up its mouth, and they're able to get that to work so they can escape. Ghost, meanwhile, has been scanning the parasites on the monsters and notices that they are emitting a signal. Juggernaut, meanwhile, needs help to administer CPR, and this is where Ghost ends up coming in handy, even though he's sort of a creepy dude, and, like, he ends up having to give mouth-to-mouth -mouth because this is when they thought that mouth-to-mouth -mouth was still needed for CPR. Here's a real like, question oh. I have, though, Luke. Is yeah. it a wise choice to have the Juggernaut give CPR? Well, the Juggernaut doesn't give CPR. Oh, that's good, because he gave their chest in. Yeah. Because no, even after um, they got back up, he keep going, because nothing can stop the Juggernaut. <laughs> no, uh, Ghost does it so they can make a joke about Ghost being creepy as heck. Well, Ghost is and, creepy um, as heck. Yeah. And Juggernaut ends up confronting Hyperion, who reveals that he has figured out the nanite controls, that keep all of the members of the Thunderbolts from doing shit like betraying the team, and he uses the Nanites to knock out the Juggernaut before deactivating his own Nanites. Uh, the, giant, the Giant Stone monster returns to the ocean because Mach 5 had just sent a bunch of missiles into its mouth, so its mouth is like literally burning. Uh, Moonstone and Songbird wake up, and as Hyperion prepares to fly off because he's deactivated his own Nanites, but not remove them. Juggernaut gets back up and the two of them fight. Hyperion ends up breaking Juggernaut's leg and tries to break off the helmet. Songbird ends up fighting the flying monster. Ghost tells Moonstone that Juggernaut needs her help and even though she really doesn't want to help him out, he reminds them that they're all on the same team. As Juggernaut is getting his ass kicked, he ends up turning the table because he realizes that Hyperion is getting tired. And he's like, yeah, I, I did the rope-a-dope like Muhammad Ali. Too soon, Luke. I know. And he's, like, knocking the heck out of Hyperion until Hyperion starts energy blasting him. Moonstone shows up, and she gets blasted away. But then Ghost shows up, and he reactivates the Argonaut-filled nanites in Hyperion that debilitate him. And while Luke Cage is fighting the aquatic monster... Ghost reveals that the monsters have nanites on them as well, so Songbird is able to destroy them, and the monsters return home. Meanwhile, Juggernaut and Moonstone 
have beaten the living shit out of Hyperion. And as he lies pleading for help, the Man-Thing reaches down, and because Hyperion is afraid, Hyperion is killed because that which knows fear burns at the touch of the Man-Thing. And he's not Burns necessarily... at the Man-Thing's touch, Luke. What? Burns at the Man-Thing's touch. Yeah. And it's presumable that Hy- King Hyperion could be alive, but... He hasn't reappeared since, and it seems like a most likely death. Well, what? Yeah, but let's also talk about like how he get got out of other things too. Yeah, he did get but blown up. I don't think the team would leave him alive, but he could heal back. So I guess it's if someone wants to use him again, they could. Also, they don't need to because they have Squadron Supreme Hyperion right now. Yeah, well, there's always more Hyperions when they need them. There's all the Hyperions. But you know what else there is all of? Trials of the Multiverse? Yes, where we have uh, three universes that we're going to be adding on this week. We have the Weapon X Hyperions world, who's previously not added on. Uh, We have the female Punisher who just shows up for one panel, but she's got a distinctive enough design and didn't show up in any other comics, so we can bullshit stuff for that. And then we have Goggles Hyperion's World. But I thought we already did Goggles Hyperion's World. No, uh, we already did the main Squadron Supreme World. It... But he gets blinded at the end of that and gets the goggles. Yeah, it's really weird, but it's the one without the goggles who is the one from Squadron Supreme World, because in the later stuff that happens in that universe, he gets his eyes healed. Oh. Yeah, I, I was looking it up last night on the wiki, and it's like, yeah, that's confusing. Because I thought it was the other way, too. Yeah. But uh, up first, we have Earth 4023, which is Weapon X Hyperion's world. And and as much as an evil Superman can be interesting, and while he did have some interesting spots, I don't know how high I'd want to rank him. Also, his Earth- world sucks, dude. There's Good nothing point. there. So, are we going to be uh, arbitrary and rank him down low? We could. At the same time, I did enjoy that just him get that first panel of him just like looking up and seeing that smiling poster of him like pointing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, is it better or well? We'll go straight to the halfway mark, which is going to be one fifty-six. Uh, Donald Blake and Tony Stark were brothers. I like Tony Stark and Donald Blake as brothers better. Really? I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) You just said do we want to be arbitrarily low. I'm actually fine with that because... I don't know. I mean, it is evil Superman, but there's better ways of doing it. Okay. Uh, Right under that is Black Widow Thor from the Age of Apocalypse What If. I like Black Widow Thor better. Uh, we then have Deadpool kills the creative team. Uh, he's bad than that. Ghost Rider owned a fast food franchise. Uh, he is better than that. Oh, wait, Hyperion is better than Deadpool kills the creative yeah. team? But he's not as good as Black Widow Thor? No. Oh, okay. So then our new number 158 is Earth 4023 Weapon X Hyperion's world. Uh, then we have Earth 41482, which is the female Punisher's world, 
She has not shown up again. It's just a lady with black hair in a Punisher costume. See, I must have missed and that. It, I didn't see that one at all. Yeah, it's literally only there for a panel. Like, there's some other stuff, but this was the only one that was numbered. Oh, okay. Like, also, the uh, superhero squad shows up in a, in a panel. Do they ever then come out yet at that point? This was like uh, 2004 or so. Yeah, Superhero Squad, the TV show, at least didn't get released until mid-2000s. Or, no, actually, no, late-2000s. No, that's what uh, Luikia said. No, I usually trust them. It could have been a similar but different world. Probably, because, yeah, I just looked it up. The Superhero Squad TV show started in 2009. Okay. Though I guess I mean, well, then, when there's the toy line, I guess that started earlier. No, because it explicitly linked over to the TV show. Line. Oh, okay. Okay. So up next, we have Earth 41483, which has a female Punisher who was only in one panel in like one tiny screen. So I was we going to have... say, not even a panel. Yeah. So, uh, what are we. Let, let's both. Let's bullshit some stuff about this, because we've done more with less. How do we okay. know that she's a vigilante known as the Punisher? She could just be wearing a skull. Maybe she know. went and saw the fantastic Dolph Lundgren Punisher movie and left it. And was just like, yeah, this movie was good. And also, it's huh. Hetty Wolf from the old Millie the Model comics. Yes, exactly. Okay, so... Where does Hetty Wolf fan of the Punisher? Fan of uh, Dolph Lundgren's The Punisher. Fan of Dolph Lundgren's Punisher Go. You there, Devin? I'm there. Okay. Uh, oh, uh, what do I do with it? Yeah, uh, top quarter? No. How does it compare to What If Power Man Were White? Honestly, I like the White Power Man thing better. A lot more or close? Mm, not a lot more. Close. Okay. Uh, how does it compare to the Ideaverse? Which one was Ideaverse? That was where all of the... Uh, that That's where Deadpool Killustrated takes place. Oh, okay. Uh, I like Ideaverse better. Uh, Weapon X Miss Marvel? I like Weapon X Miss Marvel better. Kamala's fan fiction. I like Kamala's fan fiction better. Okay, Deathlock Pool. Uh, better than Deathlock Pool. Uh, scrolls take over the Earth. No, I'm saying Deathlock Pool is worse. Yeah, no, I, I see. Oh, scrolls taking over the Earth. Um, it's better. Odin were Peter Parker's uncle. Odin is better. Okay, so our new number. <laughs> 134 is Earth 41483, where Hetty Wolf is a fan of Dolph Lundgren's Punisher. The last one we have is Goggles Hyperion. Where does Goggles Hyperion go? Well, his goggles are pretty on point, and he was smart enough not to get them replaced like that other foolish Hyperion was. And also, uh. The goggles are fly. And he also mentions that he had fought another evil Hyperion before. Oh, that's true. So. Yeah, that's, that seems just to be the life of the Hyperion. Mm-hmm. 
You fight a lot of your evil selves. And so, then if you're evil Hyperions, you have to figure out lies to make people think that you're actually one of the good Hyperions. Don't believe the Hyperion. Wait. One of the titles already used that joke. Okay. Um, so how does Goggles Hyperion compare to Hetty Wolf, fan of Dolph Lundgren's Punisher? I like Goggles better. Uh, better than Odin were Peter Parker's uncle? Yep. Nightpool? Better than Nightpool. Better than Kamala's fanfiction? Um, no. Okay. So those boss has the goggles go to spot number 132. If you were listening to this, you probably can't visit me at Heroes Con unless you're there on Sunday. I will be at Wizard World Columbus uh, coming up. And uh, Multiversal Q, uh, let's give that rundown. Multiversal Q is a weekly podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, please send us an email. Let us know what you enjoy. Let us know what you want to cover. Uh, we have a lot of stuff planned, but you know, if if we're getting uh, fan feedback, we will definitely change stuff to give you more of what you want to know. Uh, you can find more out about us and see the image galleries that we do for each episode at multiversalq.com. If you want to directly support us, go to Patreon. We have a few projects that we'd love to do if we could get some more financial support for them. Uh, we also have Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, MZ, and other places. If you leave us a review, let us know. We'd love to give you a shout-out on the show. And, Devin, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at FredoFett. That's F-R-E-D-D-O-F-E-T-T. And, Luke, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at, at Coltrick, that's K-O-L-T-R-E-G, and you can look for my book that's coming out in a few months, called Heroes International from Legacy Rising Publications. And Devin, what are we covering next week? We will be covering the fantastic Spider-Man storyline, Craven's Last Hunt. And we're covering it just so we can cover the What If issue as well, and we should have our heroes... By that you mean the opposite, right? What? We're covering the what if just so we can talk about how great Craven's Last Hunt is. Oh, yeah. Ooh, we can do the sequel. I own the sequel. Maybe. The, like, Ghost of the Hunter. But is there a what if to go with it then? I don't know. It comes back as a ghost and it was weird. <laughs> uh, I will also be 